We've been going through a series called No Other King through Easter. And here we are on the other side of Easter. Last Sunday was Easter Sunday. So the message of Easter is over. No, it's not. Every, every day of our lives is a resurrection day. Every morning we wake up, we do not wake up alone If we wake up with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we wake up with his powerful spirit living inside of us, living and breathing as the king, as the one who has resurrected from the dead and who is alive and who lives in us and with us and through us. He is alive and he is king. He is not president. He is not prime minister. He is not our designated carer. He is the king of all kings, and he is alive with us. He is more real than the skin you live in. He is more tangible than anything you can touch. When he walked through the wall and stood amongst his disciples, he was more real than the wall. We get this kind of weird idea that he was this ghostly apparition that drifted in. But how can the one from whom all creation came be less significant and less material than the material that came when he spoke the word and said, let there be? This is the king. We don't just set him aside now that Easter is over. We embrace him and we draw him by his invitation into every second of our lives, our work days, our sleep, our dream life, our relationships, our eating, our drinking, every part of our lives is designed to be impacted by the king who is alive forevermore. And he's here right now. I discovered this week that there is actually more documented historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ than there is for the inauguration of President Abraham Lincoln. There is greater documented evidence that Jesus Christ lived on this earth, died on the cross, was resurrected from the grave three days later than the fact that Abraham Lincoln was the president of the United States. Not many of us doubt that. Not many of the people in your street, in your workplace, doubt the fact that Abraham Lincoln was a president. We have have even greater certainty just on the documented evidence, let alone our personal experience of his lordship, of his nearness to us, of his interaction in our lives. Jesus is alive. So what do you expect? He's calling you right now. (laughs) Right on cue, Josie. I love that. Perfect timing. You know, what do we expect? Do we expect to hear from the risen Savior? Do we expect to interact with him? Do we expect his voice to impact our lives? I want to inspire us today to believe for that. Every day we're alive, not for the one and a half hours that we're here on a Sunday morning, but for all 168 hours of the week, all the time, constantly, We live by his voice. We live by his presence. This is his design for us. I want to ask us all, I want us to carry this very simple little question with us this week. Jesus is alive. Jesus is king. So what? It's a very simple little question. But because he is alive, 
there's got to be a so what. We've got to have that living expectation that the king of glory is going to do kingly things amongst us, in us, through us. We've got to have that expectation that the people we rub shoulders with in our offices, in our workplaces, are going to experience more than just the spirit of me. That they are going to be impacted by the glory of God. We know a, a, a girl who's a, a emergency, at least she was the last time I spoke to her, she's an emergency room nurse. And she would sit next to people who are injured and she would just do this. I'm just going to leak She's going to leak the glory of God into you. She didn't have to say anything. She knew what she was doing. She's connecting to the king of all kings and going, I want your influence into this life. And again and again, she would see people impacted powerfully, physically, tangibly by the presence of God. He's alive. Let's not take that for granted. Let's not dumb that down. Let's not make that just a nice little Christian cliche that we sing, that we say. He is alive. Therefore, expect to hear from him. Expect to be impacted by him. Romans chapter one, verses three and four. I will read from this screen because my eyesight is obviously not good enough. The gospel that we celebrate concerning his son, who according to the flesh was descended from David and who according to the spirit of holiness was proclaimed to be the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. He is proclaimed to be the son of God in power because he was resurrected from the dead. That was heaven's declaration over him. That was heaven's amen to his, all of his claims about himself. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And heaven said, amen, you are. You are the way, Jesus. You are the truth. You are the life. And heaven declares an amen to every one of those statements as you are raised from the dead. So what? So what do you expect? What do you think the one who has conquered death is able to do? Is there anything impossible for him? Is there any life situation that he cannot impact? No, he has conquered death. Like, let's face it. Once you're dead, there, there ain't much to influence beyond that. But Jesus has overcome that final adversary. And he has drawn you and I into an eternity full of his presence, full of his purpose. So we don't even need to fear it. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's so powerful. I, don't, I just literally cannot find the words to express to you today. And I think we all fall short of really grasping the enormity of what, he has done for us through his resurrection. It has transformed you and I forever, forever. He's so worthy of the highest praise, the, like the highest praise. Like what we had this morning was great. What we have most weeks is great, but it's, it's, it's like a gnat's whisper in comparison to the glory he is worthy to receive. You ever heard a gnat whisper? You gotta try really hard. 
even our highest, most glorious, whatever we can do here on a Sunday morning or whatever great conference you go to and you hear the world's greatest worship leaders, and I've heard some of them lead worship in front of thousands, and it is powerful and it shakes me to the core, and I love worship, and I, it is the language of my heart. Maybe it is yours as well. I just love to explode in worship to God. But no matter what we offer him, it is like a little tap, 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 in comparison to what he is worthy to receive. He's the king of glory. He's the king of glory. Listen to just some of the lines from an incredible song that you'll probably recognize. It says this, death could not hold you, Jesus. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you in the temple of that temple curtain. You, Jesus, you silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. Can, can you see that in your mind's eye? I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second. The heavens are roaring the praise of your glory for you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no equal now and forever, God. You reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a mar marvelous, powerful, beautiful, glorious name it is. The name of Jesus. We've got to let this impact our hearts. We've got to somehow let the, the revelation of this touch us deeply and change us. Otherwise, we just live our lives. Well, I was almost going to use the, the term practical atheism, it's, which of course isn't practical. It's got to touch us. It's got to impact us, this king of all kings, the one who spoke and the stars were born in space. He sees you. He sees your heart. He loves you. As we sang this morning, oh, how he loves me. This king. When, when was the last time that you were lost in wonder, love, and praise. You know that old hymn? I love it. When was the last time your heart was literally lost in wonder? Not just, ooh, that was nice. That gave me a little warm, fuzzy moment. When was the last time you were spellbound by his majesty? And please don't hear this as a, as a telling off in any sense, but this is the heart of our God. He wants to draw us into that kind of white, hot, face-to-face -face encounter so that every cell of our bodies knows that He is God. That He loves us with a passion that is beyond any ability to comprehend or understand. It's, it's, it's so profoundly deep. That's where He wants us to live. Lost in wonder, love, and praise. I want to stir us today to, to engage our sanctified imaginations with this glorious God. And tell you a little story about a number of years ago, maybe five or six years ago, I was leading a, a meeting here with a number of different folks. And 
encouraging people to engage their sanctified imaginations with the Holy Spirit in the presence of God. Because when you were saved, it wasn't just that your soul was saved, it's you were saved. The person that God created in his image was saved. Your heart, your mind, sanctified by the presence of Jesus. And I was just encouraging people, go on a journey. You won't do this now, you can. Just as you close your eyes, just see Jesus. See him come and stand in front of you. See the look in his face. See his eyes looking into your eyes. Experience the nearness of the one who is alive as king. And I was encouraging the Roman people at that time to, you know, just engage with him. See what's happening around him. And as I was speaking this out, and in my own mind, I was, I was kind of doing what I was encouraging people to do. And what I saw was the face of Jesus and his eyes full of love and fire and passion and life. And he was looking at me. And then I became aware that over his shoulder, there were rolling hills going off into the distance as far as the eye could see. And I thought they were covered in grass. And then as I looked a little bit closer, I realized that actually it wasn't grass. This, these hills, as far as the eye could see, were covered in angelic beings, covered in angels, covered in the glory of heaven. All these beings created for his presence, standing and looking. And they were like, he's, he's there. He's there. He's there. The lamb, the one, he's there. And they were looking at him, and I was looking in his face. And then, with a, literally with a glint in his eye, he said to me, watch this. <laughs> yeah. And I t he, he turned to these rolling hills of angelic beings. And in an instant, as he turned and they saw his face, the whole place just went <laughs> face down face down worship, cannot stand the glory of the face of Jesus. He is too glorious. He is too beautiful. This king who is alive is beyond our ability to take in. The only thing they could do was fall down and worship him. He wants us as his people to recapture, to, to lay hold of that kind of awe and wonder and glory, and to know him as that king, not just as gentle Jesus, meek and mild, not just as the little baby in the, in the cradle, but as the one whose eyes are like burning fire, and one glance from his eyes undoes us and turns us inside out, upside down every way, because he's glorious beyond measure. This is who he is. And he makes me cry. Turn off my microphone for a second. <laughs> oh, boy. So I need to ask us the question, you know, do we... Do we expect him to do kingly things? 
do we really expect this king to do kingly things? I think in our minds, we have downgraded this word king so far that it's become almost a non-entity to us. Uh, You know what? As a nation, we've got an interesting day coming up in a few weeks' time where this gentleman is going to be crowned king. And we've known about it for a while. And we already talk of him as King Charles III. And I know relatively little about the coronation except what I've watched on Netflix. So, you know, I'm no historian, but I've watched some TV. And I know that on that day, there is a part of the ceremony where the bishops or the archbishops, whoever they are, they gather around the monarch and they will bring in a canopy that is covered in gold lace and it's beautiful and it's very fine and very precious. And they, they put this over the head of the, of the king so that no mortal eye, as it were, can see this most intimate, this most holy moment where the king is anointed with the holy oil. And this is the moment of most profound spiritual significance. Do we expect the risen King Jesus to do kingly things in that moment for our king? What would it be like? Just imagine again, what if, what if the glory of God settles on this man in that moment? What if, what if the, the, the broadcast that's going to billions is interrupted as all heaven breaks loose in Westminster Abbey? What if the first words out of his mouth following that moment is, I have seen the Lord. I've seen the King and I'm nothing. Let this shape our prayers because we have a moment as a nation with a global audience And it's centered around the anointing. Do you remember a few weeks ago, Derek spoke about the anointing, which makes up what is lacking. There's some stuff lacking in this man. There's some stuff lacking in you and me. But when the king who is alive comes and anoints any one of us with his presence, then everything that is lacking is made up for by the perfect presence of Jesus. What a day that's going to be. He's the king who who does kingly things. Not just there, but literally here amongst us. We hear testimonies. For those of you who were here, I'm not sure how many of you were looking around the room. Maybe not very many. But back in the day when this building was dedicated to the glory of God. Was anybody present then? Like Jenny? Yeah, one or two around the room. On that day... The mayor of the town came to give a little speech. It was a great and glorious day for us as a church, I understand. I wasn't here. I was a mere child, you know, 25 years ago or thereabouts. But in that moment where there was expectation of just a, of a, of a nice dedication ceremony, God turned up. The building was struck by lightning out of a blue sky. There's sparks flying off the sign desk at the back of the building. And the mayor who we don't think was a believer, was overcome with the presence of God and could not speak. 
because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same is not boring. He is glorious yesterday, today, and forever. And he wants you to expect his glory in your workplace tomorrow, in your family this afternoon. Everywhere you go, the king of glory wants to go with you and do kingly things. He did kingly things back in 1959. I'm gonna probably struggle to read this testimony to you because it is so powerful. This is a picture of a, of a minister called A.A. Allen. And I wanna read you the story of what happened, what our king did, what the living God did in 1959, what he continues to do across the face of the earth today. During A.A. Allen's healing revival in Birmingham, Alabama, a mother from Knoxville brought her son for prayer. Her son David was almost three years old and had been called the most underdeveloped boy ever born in Tennessee. He was paralyzed on his right side, blind in one eye, deaf and mute. He couldn't even crawl because his limbs were like twisted sticks and his feet were deformed. In total, he had 26 major diseases or defects in his body and his mother had been told by one doctor, only God can help your boy now. David's mother took that statement literally, and when she heard that Alan would be holding meetings in Birmingham, she knew that she had to get there. As a single mother in 1959 with a special needs child, that was no small task. And although it cost her everything she had, she drove the 250 miles alone with her boy to get him to the revival. The great physician did not disappoint. What happened at that meeting in Birmingham is called the greatest miracle of A.A. Allen's ministry. As Allen held the boy in his arms like this and wept over him, suddenly two bright blue pupils appeared where once there had only been the milky gray of blindness. The boy's limbs began to morph like putty into the correct shape. His tongue, which had hung out of his mouth limply before, snapped inside his mouth and he began to call out his first words, Mama, Mama. And when he caught sight of her, he took his first steps to go and embrace his mother. He was completely healed. However, the Lord did not end there. God was not going to leave anything unfinished. The tent was full of people with significant needs. And spontaneously, with no one praying for them, every person in a wheelchair stood up altogether, totally healed. Every person in a stretcher got up the same way. People began running to the front so they could throw their hearing aids on the altar. Then came the glasses. Then came the walking sticks for the blind. Every single person was healed as the glory of God rested under the tent that night. That is our God who does not change. That is our God who is here today. That is our God who we have heard testimony of in this meeting and in the first meeting this morning. This is the one who my friend who lives in Thailand sent this through on his story on Instagram a couple of weeks ago. God is moving in Thailand. So many this week were powerfully touched by the Holy Spirit and they decided to follow Jesus and were healed and delivered of demons. One of my favorite testimonies was of a woman who was completely blind in one eye and couldn't walk without using a walker. After prayer, she could see clearly and walk normally. Jesus is king. He's alive. He is alive. And we had a guy literally walk into the office upstairs. Now, we know this guy. He's been journeying in Christ over the last number of months with us, not as yet given his life to Jesus, we, we, we think, last I checked. 
And he wandered in and he was telling us a story. He said, you know what? I started reading this little devotional book that somebody gave me on the Alpha course. And every day you're supposed to read a little bit. And so I started reading a little bit. I read like three sections. I'm only supposed to read one a day, but you know, he's a rule breaker. So he just kept going, kept reading and reading and reading. And he was loving it. And then he went to the cinema with his family and he was just, you know, I think it was the Empire Cinema here. He went to the Lou, glorious place, the Lou in the Empire Cinema. And while he was there, God spoke in an audible voice and said to him, keep reading the book. And he was like, <gasps> and he's kept reading the book. Because our God is alive. Our king does the same. He, is, he operates by the same power. He is just as present today as he was in 1959, as he was when his glory came down on Solomon's temple and the priests could not do their duty. This is our king. This is our king. We've got a lot to share. We're going to go out and share with our town on the 17th of June. Not because it's something we should do, because it's, but because it's something we get to do out of the overflow of the joy that God has put in us because we know he lives in us, because we know that he meets with us. We get to go out and love our town. Put that date in your diary. I'd love to see you with us, impacting this town with the love of Jesus. Letting people know that he is alive and they can expect to encounter him today. Today. Whoever they are. I'm going to flip through this next little bit for the sake of time. But I want us to hone in on this. You see, we're caught up in the purposes of King Jesus in our lives. And he says this, the kingdom of God is like the yeast that a woman used in making bread, even though she put only a little bit of yeast in three measures of flour. It permeated every part of the dough. Every part of the dough, every part of our lives. See, we're not only meant to be focused on Jesus on that, you know, one, one and a half hours on a Sunday morning. Our entire lives are there to be filled with the influence of the person of the living Christ, bringing hope bringing transformation, bringing healing, bringing restoration, restoring broken relationships, healing broken bodies, putting joy where joy has trickled away over the years of hardship and difficulty, restoring hearts, restoring marriages, bringing children back to their parents again. All of the glory of Jesus in every part of life. That is the so what of his resurrection. That is the so what that we get to carry into our universities, into our workplaces, into our schools, into our government buildings, wherever you are employed tomorrow, whatever you do with yourself, we get to carry him with us with the expectation that the king is going to do kingly things because he just can't help himself. So we're going to have communion. And this is a moment where I want us to be realigning our expectations with what the king of all kings is ready to do in our lives. This is not today primarily about coming and saying, oh, thank you, Jesus, that you have forgiven me and that you have broken your body for me. 
absolutely true, absolutely glorious. But this today, I want you, as you take this little bit of bread, this little bit of juice, I want you to take that into yourself, recognizing the king who is alive is within me and therefore is going to flow through me and touch the world around me. And I will see his kingdom come. I will see his will done on earth as in heaven. So why don't we, let's not waste too much time. Why don't we stand to our feet? There's a table at the back over there. There's a table here at the front and another over here at the front. Come and grab some of that. Gather with somebody that you came with. Pray with them. Pray for the influence of the King of Kings to be released into one another's bodies, into one another's situations, families. Come on ahead, guys. Don't wait for me. Let's, let's get hold of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Recognize that he is with you, that he is for you, that he has good purposes for you. Come, King Jesus.